Good evening. Apologize for late. I had a good excuse. I was davening Mincha and Mara, very close by. So I hope that's going to add some healthy spice to the shir. The Torah tells us that when Avram Avinu was 99 years old, he had a bris milah. Why did he wait so long? Because he was waiting for Hashem to tell him to do it. Even though he knew about bris milah, the fact that it was prior to the Torah being given, but Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov were familiar with the Torah and fulfilled many of the mitzvahs of the Torah. <coughs> Why not this most important one? Because the Torah tells us that mitzvah v'oseh is greater than a person who is not mitzvah v'oseh. If a person is commanded, instructed by Hashem to do a mitzvah, it's better it has a higher level quality, a higher level rating than if they're not commanded, if they're not told. It doesn't sound so logical. What do you mean? Somebody tells you to do something, you do it, but if you're not even told and you do it, it's so. So the Gemara explains, because once Hashem tells us to do something, there's automatic knee-jerk reaction of, don't want to do it. Just like many kids today, unfortunately. There's a, a quote in the Torah, Mayim genuvim yumtoku, stolen waters are sweet. Meaning the moment Hashem says, don't do that, there's a curiosity, there's a feeling of wanting to do it. So once Hashem says to do a mitzvah and the person does it, it's considered even more significant. Now other mitzvahs, you have a chance to do it, you can do it multiple times. Bris milah is only once. So Avram Avinu wanted to make sure he did it the highest quality. He waited till Hashem told him. Now we're told that on the third day after, a, after an operation is when the person experiences the most pain. On that third day, Hashem had Rahmanas on Avram Avinu, and Hashem didn't want him to have to bring guests into his home. So Hashem unleashed the sun, just like we're experiencing these days nice boiling hot weather, so that there wouldn't be any guests, there wouldn't be any people walking the streets for Avram Avinu to invite. When Hashem saw how much Avram Avinu was suffering, suffering over the fact that he couldn't have guests, Hashem said, you win, you win. Put the sun back, we'll, we'll lower the temperature. And Hashem made three guests available. Now, Hashem came to visit. The Torah begins, Parshas Vayera. Hashem revealed himself to Avram Avinu on that day. And he sees three people. He doesn't know if they're Jewish or non-Jewish or they're angels. And he says to Hashem, excuse me, I have guests. person would say he's Chayef Misa. That's either a death penalty or 39 lashes or something. You couldn't be more disrespectful to Hashem than saying, excuse me, have guests. Having guests, taking guests into your home is a mitzvah. But the purpose of the mitzvah is getting close to Hashem. So here you're as close to Hashem seemingly as you can possibly be. And he's saying, excuse me, I have guests. And the Zohar HaKadosh says that we learn from here that there are different mitzvahs that make different level connections to Hashem. Most mitzvahs connect us to what's called the lower Shekhinah. The lower Shekhinah. There are some mitzvahs that give a person a connection to the upper Shekhinah. One of them is inviting guests into your home. The Hebrew word for guest is oreach. Hachnosas orchim, oreach. The word oreach is oir ches, the light of the eighth level, which is referring to this upper Shekhinah. So Avram Avinu knew that he wasn't insulting Hashem by doing this. On the contrary, he was showing that he knew he had a connection. He wanted to go for something bigger. We're here tonight because someone appreciates the value of having guests in her home and making their home available and, and delicious food and everything. Ruchnius, Gashmius, it's something that gives Hashem tremendous nachas. Again, it's a connection to this upper Shechina. Hashem should help. It should bring every type of bracha into this home and into all of our homes. It should spill over into all of our homes. The topic for tonight is Emuna in Hashem, Emuna in myself. Rabbi Nachman's path to deeper faith and self-actualization. 
this word emuna, this term emuna, emuna meaning faith, what is that all about? Is it a cardiac thing? Is emuna something I believe? There are many Jews who are not observant at all. They don't keep Shabbos, they don't keep kosher, this, that. And if you ask them, I'm, I'm more religious than you are because I have Hashem right here, right here in my heart. I don't have to do the mitzvahs, etc., etc. One of my rabbis, Rabbi Rosenfeld, once said that they have a room in, in, in that place, the cardiac room in Gan Eden, where they take those hearts, they put the heart in there, and the rest is relocated to some other place where we wouldn't want to find ourselves. So there's a Pasuk in Tehillim, King David says, Kol mitzvosecha emuna. All of the mitzvahs of the Torah are what make up, what express our faith in Hashem. The way we express our faith in Hashem is by trying to, to know what Hashem wants, what Hashem's expectations are, and to try to fulfill that as best as we can. That's what defines, that's one of the def- definitions of emuna. Kol mitzvosecha emuna. And in fact, the Gemara tells us in one place that there were different rabbis that tried to shrink the Torah to its most basic principles. There's a chapter in Tehillim, chapter 15 in Tehillim, which begins with the words, Mi yogur ba'aholecha. Who will live in Hashem's tent? Who will be zochet to be? And it lists... 11 items there, 11 qualities of a person that will earn them a place in Gan Eden. Then the Gemara says there was another rabbi that got it down to six points. And then the Gemara says there was a third rabbi that got it down to one point. V'tzadik be'emunoso yichya. That a tzadik lives with their faith, with emuna. That this term emuna is an umbrella term used to include all the mitzvahs of the Torah. However, however, that requires some clarification also because we find the Torah tells us when the Jews came out of Mitzrayim and they were on a high, the entire world knew that Egypt was so well fortified at the time that no slave had, had escaped from Egypt in hundreds of years. And here, 600,000 Jews walked out in broad daylight. They left Egypt in broad daylight, number one. And then they came to the Red Sea, and that was the great... And Hashem slaughtered all of the Bechorim, the firstborn of the Mitzrayim. And then they come to the Red Sea, and, and the Egyptians are still coming after them. They're not finished. And they put all of their jewelry, all of their wealth on their horses to show their confidence that they're going out to battle, they know they're not going to lose. They're going to win. They're going to win. They're going to get those Jews. And the Jews are standing. They have the, the, the sea in front of them, the Egyptians in back of them, and the desert with snakes and scorpions all around them. And what do they do? They cry out to Hashem. And sure enough, Hashem makes an incredible, incredible miracle. The Red Sea is split into 12-lane highway, for the Jews, each shevet, each tribe goes through its own hot path, and there's trees with fruit and all kinds of things awaiting them as they're crossing, while they're going through the Red Sea, and then the Egyptians come racing in after them, and the water rises like walls of water and crashes down on them, and it's the end of the Egyptians. And the word spread pretty quickly. People found out, other nations found out about this. And the Torah says, Shamu Amim Yirgozan. Nations heard about this and they trembled. Chil Ochaz Yoshve Poloshes. The Philistines, Philistines, who were known for their sarcasm, <clears throat> they weren't laughing anymore when they heard about this. And yet there was one nation, Amalek, that said, We don't care. We don't care if we get hurt in the process. We're going to bust their bubble. We're going to attack the Jews now, even after they've shown such power, such faith in Hashem, miracles. And Amalek comes out to do battle against the Jewish people. And the Pasuk says that Vayehi Yodov Emuna, that Moshe Rabbeinu raises his hands in a display of faith. What does raising your hands have to do with faith? 
The Targum says, Prison Bitslo. His hands were outstretched in prayer. In prayer. I thought you pray from your mouth. Don't you just pray from your mouth? <clears throat> and some people don't even do that. Some people feel that I don't have to say it I, in my mind. In my mind, I'm, I'm saying the words. The fact is, the Torah tells us that prayer should be verbalized. It should be spoken. There's a Pasuk in Tehillim again. Odia emonascha befi. I express my faith with my mouth. With my mouth. By speaking words of tefillah, that's one of the powerful ways that we display our faith in Hashem. But in addition to that, Dovid HaMelech says, Kol toimarno Hashem mikomoicha. That when I pray, it's not just lip service. I get into it, all, all of my bones, my entire body gets into it. We know sometimes when a person is really desperate, Hashem, help me. They lift up their hands that way. It's a matter of showing that this is not something I'm taking lightly. I'm very passionate about this. And I'm putting everything I have into it, that kind of feeling. So here we see the Torah saying that one of the major expressions of emuna, of faith, is tefillah, prayer. If a person, <clears throat> there's a, a, a joke, non-joke, that people say that the Torah is Hashem speaking to me. It's Hashem's way of talking to us. When we're praying, we're speaking to Hashem. It's a two-directional thing. <clears throat> and it's not, again, in terms of displaying emuna, really showing that we believe, if a person goes far enough to speak, when a person has a friend, a close friend, and they don't talk to each other, we know that it's not a, it's not a healthy sign. The Torah says about Yosef HaTzadik and his brothers, when the relationship wasn't so good, it says, They couldn't talk. They couldn't talk to it. And we know a person says, we're not on speaking terms. If we're not on speaking terms, it means we don't like each other. Which means that one of the ways that a person expresses their love and respect and faith in Hashem is by talking to Hashem, speaking to Hashem. Now we know that there are the standardized tefillahs. There's Shachris, Mincha, and Marev, which the Gemara speaks about. We're told that during the time of the Beis Hamikdash, there was a sacrifice brought in the morning and a sacrifice brought in the evening. Every day, the Korban Tamid of the morning, the Tamid of the late afternoon, the closing Tamid. Corresponding to that, the Gemara says, we don't have a Beis Hamikdash today. We have the tefillah in the morning, the shachris in the morning, and the mincha in the afternoon. And mayrev, there's a whole discussion in the Gemara whether mayrev is mandatory or not. And the Gemara says mayrev is regarding those parts of the sacrifices that were burned on the Mizbeach during the night. So we have these three standardized tefillah, which are in Hebrew, which were, which were presented to us by Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. They are the ones who initiated these three tefillahs. The Gemara shows that by Avraham Avinu it says, Vayashkem Avraham Baboker. Avraham Avinu got up in the morning, El Hamokoim Asher Omachem, to the place where he stood. And the Gemara says, Ein Amida El Standing here refers to standing in tefillah. By Yitzchak Avinu it says, Le'es Erev, towards evening, Vayetze Yitzchak Losuach Basode. He went to speak to Hashem in the field. And the Gemara says, Ein sicha el The speaking here refers to praying, speaking to Hashem. By Yaakov Avinu it says, He arrived at the site of the Beis HaMikdosh, Vayifka Bamokom. Vayifka. There are other words that imply to arrive. Vayifka, the Gemara says, Ein pegia el That the term pegia refers to prayer. So we have morning, afternoon, and evening, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. The verbs that are used, the three verbs that are used by Avraham, it says, Omad, Amida. These Sephardic Jews say, I'm praying the Amida. It means I'm praying Shmon Esrei, the most important tefillah. By Yitzchak, it says, Sicha. And by Yaakov, it says, Pegia. There's a term that refers to every type of wealth and food, every type of bounty that we receive from Hashem is called Shefa. Shefa means bounty, sustenance, nourishment, every type of goodness coming from Hashem. The word Shefa, Shin Pei Aleph, 
ושין איז שיחה, ופה איז פגיעה, ואיין איז עמידה. Showing us that the way that we create a vessel to be able to receive from Hashem is through tefillah, through tefillah. Hashem has what to give. There's no shortage. And Hashem wants to give. But just like when a person is thirsty, if I have a delicious bottle of Coca-Cola or fresh ice water and I start pouring and the person doesn't have a cup, their shoes and socks are going to get wet and their skirt, and, and we're not going to solve the problem. You have to have a keli. You have to have a vessel to be able to receive. The vessel is the words of prayer. Because again, that's how a person really expresses their faith that I know it's coming from you. It's not my house, my food, my this. We know on every Jewish home, it says on, on many of the doors, it says the Wolfson home, this home. That's the people that live there. On the right side, there's a mezuzah that says who owns this house? Who is the boss of the house? Who created this house and the block and the neighborhood and the whole country? Shema Yisrael, the, the mezuzah which declares that everything belongs to Hashem. Everything. So again, one of the ways that a person really expresses their faith in Hashem and one of the barometers by which a person can judge where am I holding today in my emuna is by my ability to speak to Hashem. Now, Rabbi Nachman points out that when a person is davening in, in Hebrew, in Lush and Kodesh, and that's not your first language, some people don't know what the words mean at all, some people do know, but they don't know every word, and it's certainly not their, their first language, it's harder, it's more difficult to have kavona. It's more difficult to, to concentrate on the words that you're saying and certainly to put your heart into it to really put your heart into it. And we know that tefillah, the Gemara refers to tefillah not just as a verbal thing. The pos- we say in the Shema, Ula avdoi bechol levavchem, that Hashem wants us to serve us with our whole heart. The Gemara asks, Ezehu avodah shebelev, how do you serve Hashem with your heart? The Gemara says, that's tefillah. Tefillah, real tefillah is when it's coming from the heart and it's being expressed through the mouth. It's that connection between the heart and the mouth. So we mentioned, we have these standardized tefillahs, Shachris, Mincha, and Mayrev, which are in Lush and Kodesh in Hebrew. And for many of us, it's difficult to have kavana. It's difficult to put your heart into it. However, we're told that these prayers were organized by the Anshe Knesses Hagdola, a group of 120 rabbis, <coughs> that arranged these tefillahs. They were initiated by Avram Yitzhak Yaakov, but they were standardized by these rabbis. <coughs> and it's not that they sit down and thought, how should we word this? <coughs> the Gemara says, Shechina medaberes mitoch gronam. <coughs> that it was the divine spirit of Hashem that guided them exactly how to structure each one of these tefillahs. So they're very holy and very special even if a person does not understand what they're saying. However, <coughs> Rabbi Nachman quotes the Rambam, who lived almost a thousand years ago, <coughs> and the Rambam writes that once upon a time, before we had these standardized fillers, people would speak to Hashem regularly throughout the day in their own words. That was a norm. And the Rambam writes that even today that we have these standardized tefillahs, they're not a substitute for a person expressing their own personal feelings. That today, I had some wonderful experience, the kids came home from school or from, and they were happy, they weren't complaining. Thank you, Hashem. Thank you that Baruch Hashem, my kids had a good day in camp and they came home safe and well and they were happy. The Rambam says that authentic tefillah is where the person is in touch with themselves and with Hashem on a constant basis, expressing gratitude for all the positive things happening in my life and pleading with Hashem, asking for Hashem for the things that I need now, me, my family, my friends, and, and Am Yisrael. That's real, that's, that's, that, it, the, the standardized prayers are not a replacement for that. And this is why Rabbi Nachman put tremendous emphasis 
on what he called hispotidus. Hispotidus means private, personal communion with Hashem in your own words, from your own heart. And he said that this, he spoke to other tzaddikim during his time, and all of them agreed that if they had to put their finger on something, what's the thing that was most powerful in affecting my closeness to Hashem? This was it. It was spending quality time expressing my feelings to Hashem in my own words. Number one, gratitude. Number two, asking for things that I need. Number three, apology. We're human beings. We say in our tefillah, Ki hu yoda yitzreinu. Hashem knows that we're not perfect. We're human. We make mistakes. But Hashem, Hashem appreciates the truth. We know that Hashem is called emes. We say in the Kriyashma, Hashem elokechem emes. Hashem is emes. The Torah is emes. The creation of the world began and ended with emes. Take a look at the first three words in the Torah. Bereshis, bara elokim. The last letters are emes, aleph mem tov. That's the opening words of creation. The closing words of creation, which we say Friday night in Kiddush, asher bara elokim la'asos. Again, the last letters, aleph mem tov, emes showing that this is what Hashem is really all about. Hashem is emes, and Hashem appreciates emes. So when a person comes to Hashem and says, Hashem, I'm thinking about what I did today, what I didn't do today, things I should have done today that I didn't, or things that I did or said today that I shouldn't have said, and the person acknowledges that, the Pesach says, Mechase pshov lo yatsliach. If a person tries to cover up and deny their mistakes, they won't succeed because Hashem knows everything. Umode, but if a person admits the ozev and they make a sincere effort not to repeat the mistakes, Yerucham, that will draw kindness from Hashem. So that's another important component of tefillah, a component of emes, honesty, truth. In the morning, one of the tefillahs that we say, that men say when they recite, we say, Lo al anachnu mapilim Hashem, I'm presenting my case, I'm pleading with you for the things that I need, and I'm not coming like a tzaddik, I'm not coming saying that I'm perfect, I'm very good. So one of the rabbis, the Bnei Yisachar, asks, I don't understand. If you are a tzaddik, you can say, Hashem, I did so many good things, so please help me. If you're not a tzaddik, don't talk about it. You don't have to put it in Hashem's face. You don't have to say, Hashem, I'm not a tzaddik, so please give me a new car and a new house. But he says, but he says, we know that that's not the case. We know that Hashem appreciates and respects honesty. Honesty. And when a person expresses the truth, most people find it difficult to say, I'm not, I'm not perfect, I'm not... When a person says, Hashem, I'm, I'm not a tzaddik, I'm not as good as I, I should be, I'm not as good as I want to be, those words, lo al tzidkoseinu, the next words are, anachnu mapilim tachnuneinu. We are presenting our, plea, our pleas. The first letters again, emes, emes. The fact that this has this magic ingredient, this component in it, makes it so powerful that it comes even before emuna. We're talking about emuna, faith. We say in the morning, emes ve'emuna chok ve'loyavor. That in Judaism, in Yiddishkeit, the first two things that a person needs to get started is emes, honesty, sincerity, and, and then faith. A person would say, why? Because without emes, you believe in Hashem and I believe in a tree. And who's to say who's right? Because faith, the term emuna, applies to something that you don't see and you don't understand. If I understand, to say, I believe that this is a shtender, that's, that's, that's incorrect. I don't believe, I see it's a shtender. I see that this is a, a, a card. So I can't say, I believe, I believe this is a card. Nothing to do with believe. I believe in Hashem. I believe that Hashem created the world in six days. It's something that I don't see. And I can't necessarily, I can't prove, I can't understand. 
And yet, despite that, I believe. So if we're dealing with something that a person doesn't see and doesn't understand, who's to say that one person is more right than the other? Who's to say that our faith is any more right than Buddhism or any of the, or Zoism, any of these things? And the answer is, that's why there's a prerequisite to emuna. The prerequisite is emes, honesty. To the degree that a person is capable of being honest with themselves and honest with, with people that they deal with, to that degree, that person will be able to make an accurate determination of what to believe in and who to believe in and what not to believe in. The prerequisite is this emes. Emes ve'emuna chok v'loyavor. This term, emuna, you ask 90% of religious Jews, and they'll say, where do you apply emuna? And they'll say, to Hashem. Only to Hashem, of course. I believe faith in Hashem. Some people are led in the Torah, to believe in the Torah. Because the, the Zohar Kodesh tells us that Hashem and the Torah are one. The Torah is the word of Hashem. The word of Hashem is Hashem. It's, it's oneness. And that's true. That, that's accurate. The Torah, we say, Toras emes. That Hashem is emes, the Torah is emes. But there's another very important component to this. We know again that when the Jews came out of Mitzrayim, and they saw the, the they saw they suffered the suffering that they had in Mitzrayim, and they saw the incredible miracles that Hashem performed in taking them out. The Torah says, "Vayiru ha'omes Hashem." The Jews saw and respected Hashem. Vayaminu ba'Hashem uveMoshe Avdo, and they believed in Hashem and His servant Moshe Rabbeinu. That same term, emuna. Faith is used regarding Hashem, who we cannot understand completely. Obviously, we don't see Hashem, and we certainly cannot understand everything Hashem does. And this, the Torah uses the same exact term regarding Moshe Avdo, Moshe Rabbeinu, that the Jews displayed faith. Faith meaning not just if Moshe Rabbeinu tells us something that we agree with or that we understand completely, are we going to follow it? But rather, <clears throat> what we understand or we don't understand, if we know that Moshe Rabbeinu is the closest person to Hashem, as the Torah testifies, then our level of trust and faith in Moshe Rabbeinu is comparable to our faith in Hashem. We know that the Gemara points out that one of the rabbis... <coughs> Shimon HaAmsuni was so great that he was able to come up with an explanation for every time it says the word S in the Torah. There's maybe several thousand times that the word S is used throughout the Torah. S Moshe, S the, all, all over. <clears throat> he came to one and he said, here I'm stuck. I can't... That, in all the other cases where the Torah didn't have to say the word S, in the Hebrew language, in many cases, if you leave out the word S, the sentence has the exact same meaning. So in each case, he was able to show that the reason why that word S is used is to include something else. He came to the sentence, S Hashem Elokecha Tira, respect Hashem. What are you going to add there? What are you going to put next to Hashem in terms of our attitude of respect. And he said, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. And therefore, I'm prepared to, to denounce all the other drushes that I said till now. Because if I, can't, if I can't come up with something for this, then maybe it puts a question, a cloud on all the other things I said about the other S's. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Akiva came along we know the Gemara says Rabbi Akiva was either equal to or superior to Moshe Rabbeinu in knowledge. It says that there was never a prophet, there was never a Navi as great as Moshe Rabbeinu, but the Gemara says, Avol Chacham come, but a Chacham there was. Who was it? Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva came along and said, 
I know, I can, I can explain what the word S comes to teach us here. S l'rabos talmide chachamim. The word S comes to include those people who truly understand the Torah properly. So that in the case of the Ten Commandments, for example, the Gemara tells us that when Hashem gave the Aseris Hadibros, He did not give us all ten, He only gave us the first two. Anochi Hashem alokecha, lo The Gemara says at that point, the light was so bright that our souls left us. Their souls left and the Jews had to be revived. Hashem had to give some of the dew of Tchiyas HaMesim to revive the Jewish people at that time. And the Torah says that the Jews turned to Moshe Rabbeinu and said, you speak to us. You speak to us. We see that we can't handle, we can't handle hearing it directly from Hashem. And this is why we have the famous line that we teach kids. One of the first things that kids are taught when they go to school is, Torah tziva lano Moshe. Torah tziva lano Moshe. Torah, the word Torah is 611. 611 of the 613 mitzvahs we received from Moshe, not from Hashem. We only heard those first two at Har Sinai directly from Hashem. So now a person would say, you can't compare, you certainly cannot compare what you hear directly with all due respect from Moshe Rabbeinu. But I mean, still a human being to some, in some degree. Can you compare what you hear from Moshe Rabbeinu to what you hear directly from Hashem? So the Shalah HaKadosh, one of the great rabbis who lived about 400 years ago, writes that the wording in the Gemara is that the first two commandments were given to us mipi gvura, from the Almighty. That's the, the term that's used to refer to Hashem, mipi gvura. And it says that the words mipi gvura have the exact same gematria as Moshe to show us that from our perspective, what we heard from Moshe Rabbeinu and what we heard from Hashem, we treat it with the same respect. Also, Shabbos, the mitzvah of Shabbos, the mitzvah of kosher, the mitzvah of getting married, all of these things we did not hear directly from Hashem. We heard it from Moshe Rabbeinu. From our perspective, we treat it exactly the same. person would say, fine, fine. Were I living during the time of Moshe Rabbeinu? Of course, what's the question? I mean, there were hundreds of Jews that didn't believe in him, and some of them were rabbis. The Torah says that when Korah staged a rebellion against Moshe Rabbeinu, there were 250 rabbis that went with him and, and did not believe completely in Moshe Rabbeinu. But I, if I were there at the time, I would have been the most loyal. How can a person say that? How can a person know? And the answer is that if a person shows the proper respect to the rabbis in their generation, then they can, they can say that were I living during the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, I also would have. We know that today there are orthodox rabbis, there are conservative, there are reform rabbis, there's all different types. And for, just like during the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, there was a Moshe Rabbeinu, there was a Korach, there was a Dasan Vaviram, there were all different choices people had to make. So there's a, a term that the, the, the Gemara uses, midrabanan, that there's things that are, are in the written Torah, and there are things that are taught us from the rabbis, which includes the Gemara, includes the Shulchan Aruch, includes all the books written by the holy rabbis. The Shavah Kodesh says the word midrabanan is exactly the same numerical value as mipigvura, that from our perspective, when we open a Gemara, when we open a, a Shulchan Aruch, and we read those words, we treat it with the same respect we would as if we heard it directly from Hashem. And again, these are, this is what the Torah defines as emuna, the term emuna, faith, vaya'aminu bahashem uvemosha avdo, that can't have one without the other, can't have a person. In fact, Rabbi Nachman points out that this is the difference between the Jews and the non-Jews. The non-Jews have a concept of a, a Bible, the Bible, the, whole, the, the Old Testament, they have a New Testament, but that's all the, 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 the Bible. What their, their version of the Old Testament has some similarities with our Chunish. The Talmud, the Gemara, is what differentiates between Jew and non-Jew. 
the non-Jews do not accept the Torah Shabal Peh. They don't accept the oral Torah. And we, the Jewish people, what defines us as Jews, what defines our faith, is our ability to, to accept the word of Hashem, the word of Moshe Rabbeinu, and the word of the true rabbinical authorities. The Torah tells us that one of the main reasons why the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed was, and why the city of Yerushalayim was destroyed, was because we lost our faith. We lost our faith in Hashem. We lost our faith in the tzaddikim at that time. It says that they mocked, they made fun of the vayiyum mal'ivim b'malachi elokim. They insulted the heavenly angels which is a description used to refer to the tzaddikim at that time. Now, we mentioned so far, we spoke about Hashem, we spoke about the Torah, we spoke about tzaddikim. But there's a third critical element here, which is the Jewish people, the Jewish nation as a whole. There's a pasuk that says, Va'amech kulam tzaddikim, that Hashem says every single Jew has a potential to be a tzaddik, Every single Jew is included in that category. Hashem looks as the, the default is this title of tzaddik upon us. We can forfeit that. We can cover that up. We can smother that chas with sins, with mistakes. But there is this concept of va'amir kulon tzaddikim that Hashem expects us, part of our faith, part of emuna is believing in the Jewish people. Believing, we make a bracha in the morning, Asher bochar bonu mikol huamim, that we believe that Hashem created many nations, 70 nations, and He created Am Yisrael, and He selected us, He chose us to, to elevate us, to, to set us apart and above the other nations through the Torah, by giving us the Torah, by giving us these 613 mitzvahs. Non-Jews also have some mitzvahs. There are seven mitzvahs that they are required to observe. If they did, they're fulfilling their obligation. They're fulfilling their mission. They're making their connection. But for us, Hashem gave us the total package, these 613 mitzvahs, which puts us in a very special category. Now we know when it comes to Yom Kippur, for example, we're told... There's a pasuk yomim yutsaru, a pasuk in Tehillim, yomim yutsaru, Hashem created many days, veloi echod bohem. But one day is reserved completely for Hashem. And the Gemara says that refers to Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is the holiest day of the year in many respects, where we take on, we're like angels. The men are in shul more time during Yom Kippur than any other time during the year. And we're not eating, we're not drinking, we're going spiritual, we're going totally spiritual in a sense. And the Gemara says that the word hasotan, hasotan means the prosecuting angel. It means our, our opponent, the angel that tries to convince us to commit sins. The word hasotan is bigimatria 364. 364 days of the year, there's this negative force working against us. There's one day a year when we rise above that. On Yom Kippur, we're above that. He cannot, he cannot oppose us the same way as throughout the rest of the year. And Hashem declared this day as a day of forgiveness. When we complete the period of tshuva, it starts from Rosh Chodesh Elul, because when the Jews were involved in the golden calf in the Midbar, and Moshe Rabbeinu went up to plead with Hashem to forgive us, he went up, 40, he davened for 40 days, he was not successful, he went another 40 days, and that second period, that third period of 40 days began on Rosh Chodesh Elul, and finished on Yom Kippur. And it was on Yom Kippur when Moshe Rabbeinu came down with, with Vayomer Hashem Solachti Kidvorecho, Hashem says, I forgive you based on your words, based on your words, based on your acknowledging that you made a mistake, you did something wrong, and apologize, and the sincere apology. That took place on Yom Kippur, and therefore that day was designated as a day of forgiveness, a day of tshuva, a day of atonement. The Gemara says, if a Jew doesn't believe 
that Yom Kippur works if they don't believe that this is a day that Hashem has designated when He has a certain closeness to us and a certain powerful willingness to forgive, then it doesn't work for that person. It requires faith. A person has to believe. They have to believe. And this applies to every aspect of, of mitzvah of Torah. If a person doesn't believe that Hashem appreciates my tefillah, if a person doesn't believe that Hashem appreciates my bringing in the Shabbos, my lighting the candles for Shabbos, and every iota of effort that I put into preparing the house for Shabbos, and all the different mitzvahs that I do, then it loses its effectiveness. Because this emuna is like the battery, it's the life force of everything we do. To the degree that we believe, to the degree that we believe in Hashem, to the degree that we believe in the Torah, to the degree that we believe in ourselves, that degree, it's, it's complete, it's effective. If a person says, there are, there are stories like this. The Gemara says there was a person who started out as a great rabbi. He was the rabbi of Rebbe Meir, Rebbe Elisha ben Avuya. And then something happened and he went way off, way off. He became an apikoris. He denied Hashem. He desecrated Shabbos, all kinds of terrible things. <clears throat> and the Gemara says at one point, his student, Rabbi Meir, said to him, Rabbi, come back, come back. He said, I can't. Why can't you? Because I heard an announcement from heaven that said, Shuvu bonim shovavim. All you wild kids, all you kids who have done all kinds of, come back. Chutz me'acher. Accept him, accept me. He was given a nickname, Acher. When he went so far off the path, they called him the other one. They didn't want to mention his name. So the rabbis asked, what should he have done? If he heard such an announcement, the person hears a voice from Hashem saying, get out, what are you supposed to do? And the answer is, you're not supposed to listen. How do we know that? Because we know there's a law, there's a law in the Torah, that if someone invites you into their home, and they tell you, I'm inviting you for dinner, I'm inviting you for, for a shir or something, and then they say, get out, the Gemara says, Kol ma balabayis asay. anything that the master, the host tells you to do, you're required to listen. They say, sit down, you're supposed to sit down. Stand up, stand up. Come to the table, leave the table. Chutz say, except if they tell you, get out, what do you mean? You invited me. What? what kind? You can't say, get out. You, I, you, you invited me. So the, the rabbis point out the balabais of the world, the master of the world is Hashem. Anything that Hashem tells a Jew to do, we're supposed to listen. If you ever feel that you're getting a message from Hashem saying, get out, there you're not supposed to listen. It's not what Hashem really wants. We know the Torah gives examples. The Torah says on certain occasions when the Jews were involved in the golden calf and Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, Honichali, step aside and let me, let, let me at him. I want to destroy the Jews and we're going to bring a new nation from you. Moshe Rabbeinu heard what Hashem said. Hashem made it pretty clear what, is, what, what he wanted to do. Moshe Rabbeinu heard, step aside. Why did Hashem say step aside? He's implying that I'm in his way. I can block this. I can stop this. And sure enough, Moshe Rabbeinu did what Hashem expected. Moshe Rabbeinu prayed and prayed until he succeeded in reversing Hashem's decision in getting Hashem to forgive the Jews. And Moshe Rabbeinu set an example for us. We're living in a time of fast food. Everything is real time. A person buys a computer... If it doesn't, if the response time is more than a quarter of a second, time to replace the computer. Person gets married, if his wife's response time is less than, more than a, a, an eighth, time for a new wife, chas v'sham. But, but when it comes to prayer, when it comes to emuna, we're told it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. We see that even in the case of Moshe Rabbeinu, even in the case of Moshe Rabbeinu, it says, Vayechal Moshe es Pnei Hashem alukav. When it says he prayed to Hashem, it says he prayed so hard till he got sick with such intensity. He knew that it's not bim-bam. There are some rare occasions when a person will happen to, 
to pick the right exact moment when the gates of heaven are open and say a prayer and Hashem will respond immediately. There are rare cases where that happens. But the standard, the normal way that a person shows that they believe in something is when a person shows consistency. The Torah says, Kaveil Hashem, Chazak ve'ameitz libecha ve'kaveil Hashem. Pray to Hashem, toughen up your heart and pray to Hashem. What do you mean? What, what, is that, what does that mean? It means that you prayed. It doesn't mean you're finished. It doesn't mean you're finished. We know kids know, most kids know, that if I ask my father for a bicycle or for a, a car, and daddy says no, or mommy says no, no doesn't mean no. No means simply you haven't asked enough times. If you go enough, enough rounds, everybody knows going to become a yes. The Torah tells us, Malchusa da'ara ke'en malchusa da'rakia, that sometimes Hashem created the world, He designed the world in such a way that by studying how things operate down here, you can get a message as to how things operate up there in heaven. That Hashem wants to see that you mean it. A kid says, can I have a bicycle? Can I have this? Baloney. They're asking for it, and a minute later they'll forget, and they'll ask for something else. If a kid asks for something 300 times, you know they're serious. They really, they really want it. And then, with the proper guidance, with the, can make a decision whether to give it or not, or etc. This, again, talking about emuna, talking about faith in Hashem and faith believing in ourselves. One aspect of this is consistency, that this consistency. Now, we said that faith isn't something that you can't see, you can't see, you can't understand. However, the Torah promises us, promises us, that if a person will start their relationship with Hashem on that basis, that even though I don't understand, I don't understand how Shabbos is different from Friday, I don't understand how lighting these candles, what do you mean? I have, we have much better lights in the room. What, what are these candles, how are they adding to anything? How are they? And a person says, even though I don't understand it, I believe, I believe if this is what the Torah says, I'm going to do it based on faith. The Pasuk says, That if you're willing to start the relationship on faith, you will eventually understand. You will understand. You will get to know. And we find one of the greatest prophets, Yechezkel Hanavi, who is the one who's in his prophecy, he, did, he describes the throne of Hashem, the different angels in heaven. It's called Maisa Merkava, the throne of Hashem. He begins with the words, Niftuchu Hashemayim, the heavens opened up, Vo'ere Maro Selokim, and I was able to see divine revelations. Rabbi Nachman, student of Nassim, writes, if that was something that took place thousands of years ago and we have no connection to that, it would not be in the Torah. The Torah isn't a history book and it's not a story book. Every word in the Torah has to have a message for us today. What's the message there for us today? The message is, the first letters, follow me, Niftechu hashomayim vo'ere maro selokim, the first letters spell the word emunah, emunah. How did this prophet, how did this Navi get to this level where Hashem showed him? Hashem opened the heavens for him and he was able to see? It started with emunah. It started with faith. When the Jews were in the desert, they left Mitzrayim and Hashem says, I, wow, I, I really appreciate and respect the faith that you showed in me. Lechtech acharai bamidbor, following me in the desert, there's no Target, there's no Walgreens, there's no, there's no fruit stores. And the Jews left Egypt, they left a civilized country going into the desert blindly, blindly following Hashem. Hashem says, I'm so proud of you that you were able to do that. What did he, what about food? What about food? So the Torah says, Hashem gave us a miracle food. There was a miracle food that they were given. <clears throat> which could taste like anything you wanted to, to taste. Today, a person buys a refrigerator and they start using it and they say, need a bigger refrigerator. Because once upon a time, 
You bought a bottle of orange juice, so you bought a bottle of milk, and that's what the family used. Today, you need 12 different kinds of bottles of milk. You need the regular, the skim, the almond milk, and the potato milk, all the different, and the, the orange juice with the piece, without the, you know. And we think we're so lucky, we're so blessed that we have 300 kinds of a... In the Midbar, they had one, one item, one food item that could taste like anything you wanted it to taste. Here again, this was thousands of years ago. What in the world does it have to do with me today? And if it doesn't have anything to do with me today, it wouldn't be in the Torah. So one of the rabbis writes that take a look at the wording in the Torah. Everybody knows, what was the name? What was that food called? Man. Look and check your chumash. And it says, when they saw this stuff coming down from heaven, they said, Mon who? It is Mon. It is Mon. Kiloyotu Mahu. Because they didn't know what it was. Mon means what? Mon who? What it? What is this? That's what they said. They said, Mon who? This rabbi writes again, take a look at these, put these two words together. Mon who spells the word Emunah. Emunah. If a person believes in Hashem, if a person believes in the Torah, if a person believes in themselves, if they believe that we are members of Klal Yisrael, we are members of a chosen nation, then when that person is drinking water, they can experience the same pleasure that somebody else couldn't experience unless they had a $380 bottle of champagne. Why? Because again, if this is what Hashem has given me now, this is the best. There's nothing better. I don't need anything else. I don't want anything else. And this applies to everything in my life. My home, my car, my wife, my husband. If a person has emuna, if a person has real emuna in Hashem, in the Torah and themselves, then whatever they have, they can experience another person needs two of these or 12 of these, I don't need to. The one that I have can be as good as 12, another person having 12 or 100 of them, that kind of thing. There's a, a, the Torah promises that just like the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed from lack of emunah, that the more we strengthen ourselves in emunah, Hashem will restore the Beis Hamikdash, He'll give us back the land of Eretz Yisrael, the way it's supposed, the way it's meant to be, and, and all illnesses, all suffering will, will come to an end. Shem should help. Rabbi Nachman made a statement that if you want to learn emunah, go to the women. They, they have a more natural tendency towards, towards this incredible quality called faith, emunah. Shem should help that all the women in Klal Yisrael should make their contribution, and the men should make their contribution we should see a complete final end to the suffering and the struggles and the difficulties with the coming of Moshiach, the building of the Beis HaMikdash, Amen If anybody's interested, there's a website called breastleftorah.com that has many shurim from my rabbi, Rabbi Rosenfeld, who was an incredible, incredible teacher, rabbi here in, in, in Brooklyn during the 1950s, 60s, and 70s and gave incredible classes. Most of his recorded classes are on that website. And also Shiram that I've given the past 40 years are also on that website. You can go there, listen if you like. I'll leave some cards here if anybody wants the, the name of the website again and an email address if anyone wants to be in touch. Yeah. Question, sure. Yeah. So yeah, I know we're talking about the Muna, but I was, a few things, I don't know where to start, but let's say we start with MS, Amuna, and even when you were talking about Tefillah, we were davening, say out loud through his voters, and when we're asking, we start also with gratitude, and then we request, and then we, um, you know, we, we acknowledge whatever we did wrong, but when it comes to requests, and when it, we think about, like, in terms of, like, you were saying, at the end, we were satisfied with what we have, right? So what are we requesting? Because I have a hard time with Tefillah, and it sounds silly, but I don't even know, my husband will say, oh, Davin for, let's say, this should work out. How do I know that that's supposed to work out? How do I know that's what's best for me, right? So if you have the Tachon, and you understand that everything is good for you, whether it looks good or doesn't look good, how, who am I to ask Hashem for something? Very good question. Makes sense, right? 
when a person is ill, chas when a person is sick, lo aleinu, we make a mishaberach in shul. We express, we present a tefillah, asking Hashem to take away this sickness. But we know that Torah tells us that sicknesses cleanse a person from their sins. It's like a detergent. It's a positive thing. So maybe, maybe I'm better, and sometimes maybe this sickness is in place of something that could be much worse. The answer is, one of the answers that's given, that Rabbi Nachman explains, is that, based on what I said before, if I have a delicious bottle of something to drink, and you don't have a cup, I can't pour. Very often, Hashem has kindness, He has bracha, He has blessing, He wants to give it to us. If we don't have a cup to receive it, then He can't give it to us, and we're left with the judgment, we're left with the negativity, not the kindness. When we pray for something, our prayers are what generate the vessels, the vessels into which to be able to receive this blessing. Now, the point, another point that you made, this issue when I'm praying for something, I want my daughter to get into this school. I want to... What if, what if I find out she gets into the school and I regret it like I never did before? Because that great teacher that I thought she was going to have quit and it, a thousand different circumstances. This is why, in general, when we pray for anything, if I pray to be a better person, to be a better human being, I don't have to qualify it. That I know Hashem wants. If I pray for shalom bias, that my home should be a place of serenity and joy and happiness, don't have to qualify but if I'm praying for any specific item in Gashmias or anything like that, it's always good to attach if this is the right thing for me, if this is really what's best for my family. Always to add that qualification, to verbalize it if possible, and even if not, to keep it in mind always that whenever I'm asking for anything, it's always with the understanding that if Hashem knows that I'm better off without this, then I don't want it. I mentioned my rabbi before, those you'll hear, if, if you'll go on the website, you'll hear his classes, you'll hear how learned, how special this person was. One of the most important things in his life was his apartment in Yerushalayim. He had a brother-in-law who was wealthy and liked him, and he knew that the best gift that he could possibly give him was an apartment in Yerushalayim. And he bought an apartment for him in the 1960s, a two-bedroom apartment, $17,000. <laughs> Try that for size. <clears throat> Just for circus. <laughs> first the first days. <laughs> and they bought it on, it was a new building being built in Geula neighborhood, a prime real estate in Yerushalayim. And they had a choice of front apartments or back apartments. No question, I want a front apartment. I don't want a back apartment. And, and the building is built, and the rabbi comes to Eretz Yisrael, and he comes to the building, and he can't wait to see his apartment for the first time. And the, the builder takes him to a back apartment, and he says, this is not mine. Take a look at the contract. I made it perfectly clear. He says, if you don't want it, no problem. We can sell it now for 50. You know, I'll take it back gladly. And he took it reluctantly, and then when he started using the apartment, he saw that the front apartments in that area, the sun is so powerful there from when the sun comes up to like three, four o'clock in the afternoon that they have to keep all the shutters closed. Can't, can't, can't use the porch. And the room, the living room, the shutters have to be closed. The back apartments had shade, you know, perfect shade. And he had this, this rocking chair that he sat on on the porch, that was his Gan Eden, his Gan Eden. And, and I always remember this story, we're talking about a person who was so bright in religion and in life, he was so worldly, you know, and he chose something that made so much sense, and even by such a person, it's possible that Hashem knows better. You know, no, anyone that lives, I can, you'll come to Eretz Yisrael, I'll show you the building, you'll speak to the people living there. There's no, no match at all. Hashem knew what was better, and, and I'm sure that he included that in his tefillah always, that whenever I'm asking for something, Hashem, I'm sure that you know what's really best for me or for my family. If what I'm asking for is the right thing, great. If not, rearrange the tefillah to format it to what, what you know is really best for us. How is asking for one's own good health fall in that? 
Sure. I, I said that there are certain basic things, you know, that no question. Hashem definitely wants us all to be healthy. And again, we said when a person is sick and we make a mishpah, what do you mean? But Hashem gave them this sickness. One great possibility as to why is because they didn't have the kalim to receive the blessing of good health. Through tefillah, we generate new kalim, new vessels to receive that bracha. So in terms of, I know we spoke about Amuna a lot, but um, in your about belief, and belief in something that we can't see, but then to, from like understanding the tachon, it's taking it to the next level of trusting Hashem. So how does that play into everything that you were saying this evening? Um, I think a lot of us walk around with Amuna, we believe in Hashem, we believe in, we believe in Torah, we believe in mitzvot, we believe in Kal Yisrael, but it's the whole other level of taking it, really trusting that Hashem is there, and I have full trust that Hashem is going to do the right thing and all of, all of the above. That's another component to this. Okay. A person says, you know, that, that term trust, there's a pasuk, betach b'Hashem v'asetov. Trust in Hashem, trust meaning that I, I'm never, I'm never depressed, I'm never worried. I don't worry. That term worry is something, thank you very much. No, perfect. The term worrying, I remember one of my rabbis once told me that if I thought worrying could help you even a little bit, I would let you do it. But since I know that not only doesn't it help, but it does damage, you don't go there. Meaning, you pray, you put your heart into your prayer, you give it all you got, everything you can, and once you did that, there's bitachon. I trust in Hashem, that Hashem listens to prayers, Hashem knows what I need, He knows when it's the right time, and I trust that I'm going to be helped. Exactly when, I don't know, but again, this faith and just, emunah and bitachon are two, two parts of the same coin. Anyone else? Can I ask one more question? I'm so sorry. Um, one sec, oh, anyone else? Okay. Last chance, going once, going twice. Please. Um, you were saying also with regards to um, like Torah Sival and Moshe, like we were accepting the Torah and we were, and it was S, I don't remember the passage exactly, but it was something with S Hashem. S Hashem Alokechotim? Was that, and the S was the whole idea that we were supposed to accept, that we were, that we were respecting the. The Talmidei Chachamim? Right. Comparable. The Mishnah says in Perkyavas, Mora Rabach, Kemora Shamayim. The respect for your rabbi should be comparable to your respect for Hashem. So my question is, like, I understand, even though you were describing, there are some rabbanim that are very, oftentimes, like with Korach, they, they followed it. How do we know what is the right um, leadership, so to speak, in this day and age, especially when I feel the world, we're so close to Mashiach and things are so upside down and so confusing more than ever before, no? Good question. There's a quote in the Gemara that as we get closer to the coming of Moshiach, Pnei Hador Kepnei HaKelev, that the face of the generation, the face means the leadership of the generation, will be like the face of a dog. What's the connection? There are many interpretations. One of the interpretations is that a dog is insecure. A dog, you, you own a dog and you let the dog off the leash, it goes running, running, racing, but it's always looking back to see if its master is still there. There's an insecurity there. <clears throat> and the, the rabbis point out that the leadership, a leader is supposed to lead. A leader is supposed to show the way. When we have leaders who, who are only looking to be leaders, they only want the, the, but they don't know how to lead. Or if they do know, that that's not their interest. Their interest is keeping their position regardless of whether it's to the benefit of the country or the nation or not to benefit the nation, that's, it's terrible, it's terrible. That's why I said that there's a prerequisite to emuna, emes. Number one, a person has to be honest. A person has to be honest themselves to be able to recognize the truth. We are in a world, this world is defined as olam hasheker. The Torah throughout mentions many times that this world is topsy, it's upside down. Some of the people who have the most publicity and the greatest recognition, we find out that they're in jail. They go, go to jail, you know, or worse, you know, et cetera, et cetera. 
So just because someone has a bigger crowd doesn't, doesn't mean necessarily in this world. The Gemara says that one of the rabbis once went into a coma and he came out of it eventually and they asked him, what happened to you? And he said, my soul left and went up to heaven. They said, do you remember what you saw? He said, yes, definitely. I can express it in one sentence. Elionim lemata, tachtonim lemala. That those who in this world are looked up to command all kinds of respect and recognition, the stars over there, they're very small. And those who in this world are looked down upon in many ways, the Jewish people, that over here, over there, they're the ones who have the greatest honor and, you know, kavod, etc. And this is something that a person needs to really pray for very hard. Hashem, lead me to the truth. I'm in an olam hasheker. You're making it clear to me up front that things here aren't the way they seem, the way they look. You look at the back, I'm riding in back of this big truck and it says, Coke is life. <laughs> really? Coke is life? And, and it's big, gigantic letters, you know, couldn't be more accurate. And, and they're not, they're not uh, putting that truck, the, the cops aren't taking that truck off the streets. It must be true, no? It must be true. So we're in a world where not everything you see, not everything you hear, and, but, but we have a Torah, which is the book which defines true, Hashem's truths. And the more a person studies the Torah, the more a person prays to Hashem, Davramel says, Hashem, lead me with your truth. He doesn't say, because you speak to this person, they say, the truth is, this is right. And this one says, that's right, and that's right. Our tefillah to Hashem is, Hashem, lead me with your truth. Your truth is the ultimate, the real truth. Okay. Once again, thank you very much to our host. People make brachas. People should leave a bracha in the home here, and Hashem should put his bracha on the home, on all of our homes. Amen.